Hello, hello. How's it going, you guys? Are y'all out there? I am still waiting for Mr. Rodriguez. He has not come in the room yet, so I'm hoping he will, and that this is not uh, a false alarm. And I am go. still Do waiting for Mr. Rodriguez. There we go. <laughs> Um, so then we can just chat a little bit, uh, anybody out there that, uh, is having an interesting day. It seems like every day is interesting these days. Hey, oh, I was going to wear my other glasses. Oh, well, whatever, whatever. So yeah, lots of interesting times. It's, uh, it's a crazy one. A lot of crazy making going on out there. Maybe that's what I'll talk about if we can't get David on. I'm not sure what's happening with that guy. I'm not hearing from him. He might be uh, stuck. I hope he's all right. So if that's the case, then we will just have a little chat here and feel free to let me know what, uh, if anything, you guys would like to talk about. There was something I'm actually really passionate about doing a stream about. I was going to do it another time. And uh, maybe I can start talking about that right now. Hmm. So sad. I'm not, I'm not seeing David. He's not coming. Hello, Juan Therese. Hello, Kelly Affy, Doc Michael. Nice to see you guys in the chat. That's awesome. Happy Friday to you as well. I love Fridays. Uh, it's the day that I meet with my, one of my journey code groups and uh, it's always amazing and super beautiful and intimate. I really love it. I love my work. I'm so happy. And uh, Doc Michael had a great call yesterday, so that's good. Do you have a Do you have a channel, Doc, I, that I'm not aware of? Feel free to post it in the uh, in the comments. And hello, Barge Lily, Barbara from Connecticut. I responded to your email, by the way. If you got it, let me know. And uh, yep, hundred percent one. Very good. Well, anyway, I've got you guys here, and it might be that David is coming. I think he just got my message. Ha ha. <laughs> Yay. That's awesome. Um, so he's saying device is not connected, but they'll probably give him all the prompts that he needs to get on. So hello, Annalise. Love you to see you. And yeah, I think I want to save my topic. The thing that I'm going to talk about in uh, another stream, probably over the weekend, is the, the whole phenomena of the straw man that you are likely familiar with. And uh, it, I, I want to talk about the spiritual side of the straw man, because this is something that we're hearing about. And uh, you guys can hear me good, by the way. Aha, uh -huh. David, darn, there's some kind of a, there is some kind of a disconnect. Your guest will need to connect their mic and cam before they, so let me just uh, message to David here. You have to connect your mic and camera with the settings below. And uh, yes, uh, good, good, Nemo. I'm glad you uh, sound excited about that and you're hearing me loud and clear. That's awesome. Good to know after you've been talking for 10 minutes or three minutes and three, 35 seconds. I don't know, David, uh, if you can hear me, you need to connect to your cam, uh, camera and mic. There is a setting below and it's got a little... Um, wheel yeah darn there's some kind of a some kind of a problem here but i'm patient and i hope you guys are and then uh yeah the spiritual side of the straw man so we're learning a lot about that hello channel news <laughs> uh 
uh, we actually had the most amazing meeting yesterday. Oh, it's a miracle. It's working. Okay, so I won't go into that now, but looks like David is here. Hello. I'm going to add you to the stream. I'm sorry I already started. So um, hello, David. I can't hear you yet. Maybe you didn't hook up your audio. Testing one, two. Yep, hearing you now. Loud and clear. That's All right. Yay, good. I'm glad this worked out. Hey, technology, it's uh, it works great sometimes, and then it's uh, annoying other times, but try to be great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. I just wanted, wanted to make you a banner so we see your name across the bottom. And there we go. Awesome. So welcome to this King Heroes Journey podcast. David, it's really a pleasure to have you. Can you hear me? Oh, maybe he's frozen. Hmm, some kind of thing. Hmm, strange energies right now, especially around technology. I don't think we're in a Mercury retrograde, but we are in a Mars retrograde. Um, David, it looks like you can't hear me. You could use the chat, the private chat to talk with me, or I've got the Facebook window open if you wanted to uh, send me a message and let me know what's happening. There he is. I don't know if my connection's poor or what, but it looks like it's working now. So we'll see if I solve that problem. Okay, it sounds perfect. That's awesome. Maybe there's some forces that don't want us to have this conversation. Stranger Perhaps. things have, have happened. Yeah, exactly. Lots of forces to work against these days, but it's yeah. all for the worthy cause of freedom. So uh, I'll take a minute and just introduce you. And then I'd love to jump into this King Heroes Journey podcast. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the King Heroes Journey podcast, it is about highlighting the life and work of very strong men who are willing to get out and say the things that other people don't necessarily want to hear. Of course, people who love freedom are eating up the uh, expressions and uh, videos and multiple things that David is doing, but there's always opposition. And I feel very strongly about supporting those men because they are out there on the front lines. You know, it's not the medical community that's on the front lines. These guys are on the front lines. And, uh, the, you know, the more we can support them and share their work and uh, get behind them, then the, the better that's going to be for everyone of us. I met David this year in Anarchapoco. It was actually kind of a miracle that I, I was there. I got invited at the 11th hour to present, and I know you were presenting there as well. And, uh, and it's made, we've maintained this connection. It's turned out to be actually so valuable to have had that community and, uh, you know, all of the support, the mutual support. Sometimes it's just Zoom calls and sometimes it's information. Sometimes it's moral support. And it all really counts right now. So um, David is a champion for freedom. From the what I've been seeing, he works tirelessly to bring people together over a life of truth and liberty. Uh, he is uh, a lover of people, freedom, and peace from his bio. Uh, I also recently saw you comment to someone on Facebook, and you said, uh, you will burn for freedom, love, and contribution. And that is just so spoken like a king hero. Uh, David is also the founder of the Education Options Expo, Education Options TV, where he's introduced thousands of parents to respectful schools and approaches to learning. 
Uh, he's interviewed world leaders who are demonstrating the future of education today. So he's the founder, founding principal of Valor Academy, a private school that empowers students to pursue their own interests and passions, utilizing the apprenticeship model. How beautiful is that? And uh, he's the author of an upcoming book. This I, I took your bio from an Arcapulco, so maybe if your book is out, you can certainly talk about that. It's called The Apprenticeship, How to Get a Real Education and Solve the Crisis of Public Schooling with a Proven Affordable Method. Uh, he's also the publisher of The Underground History of American Education, uh, Volume 1. Oh, you got it? Excellent. Excellent. By the world-renowned school teacher John Taylor Gatto. And two more volumes are forthcoming. So he also received a business degree from San Jose State University. And uh, I have a particular affection for entrepreneurs such as yourself. I was born and raised by them. And, uh, you know, you, you have to live in courage and you have to live in reality. You don't get to have some, uh, you know, illusory, idealist view of the world. You've got to meet it head on. And so that's one of the reasons I love entrepreneurs. David, welcome to this podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Hey, Beth, I'm honored to be here. And uh, what an opportunity to speak about what's happening in the world with a conscious woman who is doing awesome things on the planet as well. And so I got a lot of respect for you. And I'm sure your audience are very smart people as well. So we're the visionaries. So um, it's great to be here with you. That's so good. That's so good. So what now you've got a, a few different tracks going on. COVID has uh, taken us all in a direction we didn't expect to go. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> Big and time. yet, and yet do you feel like your life has been preparing you for this moment in time? Yeah. You know, I've been doing the Anarchapoco and other freedom events for six years, realizing that government is illegitimate and that we're all sovereign beings. You're a queen. I'm a king. You're listening you're a queen or a king, and uh, you're really important. You have freedoms and rights that don't come from government, and they come from creator or nature or source, whatever you believe. And so for me to discover that was a really like spiritual awakening. I said, oh, my gosh, like I thought I had to follow those guys. I follow those guys. And then you realize you got to listen to your own voice. You got to you know, be quiet and try to find out what is that spirit or that, that uh, inner character, that inner being that we are. And so that was kind of how it's been going. And then thankfully, we did get to have um, this event in February. And then literally, like I think a week or two after that, uh, Coachella got shut down. South by Southwest got shut down. It's like they're shutting down conferences over this thing. So at that time, mm -hmm. we're, I was still trying to evaluate, is this like a real flu? If the, if the media is saying it and the government saying it, it's probably not. But, you know, we'll take a little bit of caution. But literally a, a week or two into it, I said, oh, no, this is going to be a big scam. And. They said, you know, flatten the curve for two weeks. And you're like, yeah, I don't see, think that's going to happen. So it really is. I think freedom is the issue of our lifetime, Beth. And people that realize that you own yourself, that you're sovereign, that you can do whatever you want as long as you don't harm another person or their property. I mean, you really are the catalysts, the visionaries, the innovators of human society, in my opinion. So I think it's, uh, yeah, definitely been preparing me and, now we're just doing some peaceful non-compliance on the beach and trying to exercise our freedoms. And one of the big awakenings is that we don't have to ask permission to be free. We just have to have courage to exercise it. And so that's what this summer has been about for me with some of my freedom friends out here. And I think that is a real solution, right? Not participating in our own slavery, not cooperating with these people in costumes and really speaking your truth. And so it's been interesting because as I've been speaking my truth, especially this last six months, I've gotten really interesting feedback from friends and people I respect. 
And sadly, some of them are still in the status mindset where they outsource their authority to somebody and no one else um, is uh, the owner of themselves except them. And uh, so it's been interesting. You definitely the uh, personal evolution is exciting and adventurous and ups and downs. But I, I think this is definitely a great time to be alive. And uh, the criminals behind the state and the banks and, you know, the military industrial complex and these uh, criminal organizations, I think are very vulnerable. They're very weak. I think the Internet made a huge dent in their power, maybe almost with like uh, totally disabled them. Um, and so now they have to use fear, false flags. Um, but I think human consciousness is rising. So now it's just time to get out there and really um, support people in this awakening process, because after you awaken to the illegitimacy of government and the power and the sovereignty of yourself, it's like, wow, what does that mean? I mean, there's a lot, a lot of overwhelm, a lot of responsibility, but you don't have to do it by yourself. And this is what it's all about, creating positive relationships with moral, peaceful people. And that way you can you know, build something together, create something. And, uh, and then we're talking about like voluntary villages or intentional communities in the future here. So um, some really helpful uh, projects and intentions that we got going on. Very good. And so what inspired you to be in the, in the freedom movement in the first place? Also, your work with uh, homeschooling and creating alternatives for education. I have to imagine those two are related. But what, how did you get inspired to all of this? Um, well, my first dream was just to make a lot of money and sit on the beach and relax. And then as I studied <laughs> successful people and you find out, well, you know, you, let's say you, you get 10 million or 20 million dollars, you still have a life to live. Mm -hmm. So I had various mentors, you know, kind of coaching me and asking me serious questions. And he said, uh, you know, you're looking for your purpose. You got to find an injustice on earth and then spend your life trying to correct that injustice. Mm. And said, okay, that's powerful. This guy's 70. He's a billionaire. He probably knows what he's talking about. And then it was the school system that really was one of the biggest injustices that I've ever experienced. I've uh, researched. And as we mentioned with John Taylor Gatto, who was the world famous school teacher who taught for 30 years and inspired Robert Kiyosaki and Seth Godin and Dr. Christian Northrup, a lot of people because he had the courage to speak truth about schools. And then I said, wow, this is really terrible. It's like a day prison, man. Like from age six to age 18, you literally are in the hands of strangers of the state and you don't, you never see them again. You'll be there for like nine or 10 months and then it's a new teacher each year. And before I thrash the school system, you should know my mother is a retired public school teacher and I have family who are teachers and principals now. So I know there's good people in the system, but it's a coercive organization. So I realized that if I wanted to really fulfill something exciting to me, then I should do something with education. I should do something with children to empower them, to speak truth to parents and stop this cycle of child abuse is what I would call it. You know, if you have to get permission to urinate or get a drink of water, that is not acceptable. And it's been institutionalized. So a lot of parents are unaware and they can't see the open criminality and coerciveness of it. Uh, which is a whole nother conversation of that. They don't even teach you about morality in these schools. And the reason that they taught you about morality, you would realize how immoral the school system is. So that's how I got into the school world. And then the great quote by Buckminster Fuller, he said, you never change reality by fighting against something. You got to create a new model that makes the old model obsolete. So once Ron Paul had his election stolen in 2012, I kind of lost hope in uh, presidential elections and politics 
I says, how do you really make change? You know, I guess at a local level, you can do some kind of politicking, but at a bigger scale, we got to make models, businesses, projects, programs, things which just make the other ones obsolete. And so that's what it is about with homeschool consulting and the apprenticeship world and these devices that we're talking on, you know, these phones and laptops. I'm still shocked, Beth, by the internet. I'm like, man, I can't believe this technology exists. You can actually connect with people. We're doing a video call, you know, across the world, across the, the country. And so these are new awakenings that in school, they just taught me to be a robot and, you know, regurgitate information. But the real creators use imagination, use their um, creative powers and gifts, and they give them out to the world. So with education, I think this is one of the best ways to do it. And then uh, the great quote from uh, Etienne de la Boisie Squared is that government is intergenerational organized crime. And so my take on that, and I just found my video from Anarcha Vegas, is we got to create intergenerational freedom. So how do you create intergenerational freedom? You got to be intentional with speaking with children, you know, your children, people around you, whatever it is, and basically look them in the face if mom and dad approve and say, you own yourself. You're responsible for yourself and you are a super important, valuable, unique, rare human on the earth and you matter. And I just never got that through the public school system. And uh, I think a lot of kids are suffering, you know, especially now with the COVID and the mask. I mean, it's even more diabolical with this, all these measures and, you know, you got to put your hand on someone's shoulder and walk like you're in prison and uh, just absolute lies. It's, it's, so it's, it definitely is uh, prepare me to, to get where I'm at um, and really step up here in the coming months because we have some other things that are happening. And um, once I realized that freedom is the issue and, you know, like the divine right of kings where the king's in charge because he says he's in charge and then people are like, yeah, I think he's a criminal. And then they make it to the now we have democracy or republic and now you get a vote for your ruler. And then now that system, I think, is falling apart. So I do think is a transformational time in human consciousness, and it's moving towards the third phase, which is personal sovereignty, individual self-ownership. And young people can get it. You know, I have a friend. Uh, she was her son was five years old when this happened, and she's been teaching uh, her son about property ownership, self-ownership. And so she always asks, hey, can I pick you up? Yeah, mommy, come here. He picks him up. And so he was at some family reunion and uh, like an uncle literally just tried to pick him up without his permission. And he steps back and he says, you need my permission to pick me up. And <laughs> I thought that was so amazing that a five-year-old can get these basic concepts that this body is mine. And what a simple concept, but a transformational concept because the government doesn't have any authority to mandate you wear masks, mandate these things. Um, but we've been trained that that's the case. So this is why I'm getting more um, outspoken. Every day I wake up, I say, I cannot believe that humanity is going for it. And a lot of people aren't, but they're afraid. And so I think as we demonstrate bravery, courage, and these types of things in ourselves, uh, in a small way, you know, we can impact others. And so, you know, that's what I'm trying to do out there and uh, promote freedom the best I can. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's super relevant right now with the... Uh at the 11th hour, we weren't planning to have my kid at school. It was going to be online learning, but um, there was a lot of, um, you know, I'll just say it and call it like it really is. There's actually deception going on right now to engineer against uh, the freedom that I would hold dear 
for my child. And, uh, and of course they, they hogtie him because all his friends are there. So he doesn't yeah. have a life if he doesn't go and uh, put a mask on. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's been pretty crazy to tell you the truth, like pretty, pretty insane. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's all you can do is impart the values of freedom and, and choice and permission. Like there's a beautiful example with your, your five-year-old uh, little friend there that's like, no, this is my life and my body and you can't uh, just tell me what to do because what ends up happening, right? Like by yesterday, my son is like, I don't care what happens. And that they, they've got him there. As long as he, lost, he, he, right, he loses his own will. He doesn't, he can't connect with his own ability to create his reality. Mm. And uh, that's, the, that's the really sad part. Is he a teenager or a preteen? He's 13. Oh yeah, the social network is like, I'll go anywhere as long as my friends are there. It's, they got him right there for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's also got me and I'm not yeah. quiet. And he's got the, uh, the constant example of somebody who doesn't just go along with things. So yes. I'm hoping that'll give him half a chance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you just keep, just keep tripping on him, you know, keep pouring into him naturally. You know, we're, we think we know it all when we're teenagers, but you know, with our mother's love and people around us, you know, keep pouring in and little by little, those seeds will germinate in maybe the mid teens, later teens. And I say, Oh man, <laughs> my mom was right. <laughs> right. Right. Which I, I don't even need to be right. I just, uh, I just want a free kid. So, mm. um, were there turning points for you in doing this work, like those little vignettes when, when you made that shift in your consciousness from, from feeling like there was, you know, no option to, like you said, turning around and being the creator of new things like Buck Miller Finster. Did I say his, did I say his Buck, name right? Buckminster. Yeah. Buckminster Fuller. Yeah. I got that totally backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any turning points that uh, just put you on the spot here? Any memories of? You know what? I um, it's so interesting. I uh, had early experiences with the law. You know, as a teenager, and uh, you know, trying to fight for justice, and yeah, <laughs> and um, you know, I remember one time I went to court. I think I was 18 years old, and I was trying to fight a speeding ticket. And I was raised in a small town, you know, my whole life, and so I knew the speed limit everywhere I was going, and. Um, I got pulled over as he said I was speeding and I said, no way. My buddy's a witness. I said, for sure I was going to speed. So I went to court and in court, the cop actually lied in court and said, I said one thing, which I didn't. And I was 18 sitting there and I'm like, wow, I can't believe he just blatantly lied in court so he could win. And of course they won the case. And so that was kind of the first inkling that something wasn't right in terms of the power structure. And other than that, I just wanted to be a free kid, you know, and that's, what I've discovered in the last few years is the deepest desire that I had was freedom, you know, and I love my parents. I love my family. I love the experiences, but it's just like, Hey mom and dad, stop forcing me to do stuff. Hey teachers, stop forcing me to do stuff. Like when are you going to let me be a human inside my own body? And you know, you got to wait until you're like your twenties away from home or whatever the situation is. So this is where little by little, I started to realize that children are the most, brutalized people on earth, the most vulnerable people on earth. And there really hasn't been a huge awakening for their rights, you know, kind of like women's rights and, you know, uh, people of color rights, these kind of things. But it's the children who are just kind of overlooked and thrown in the system. And so I got to feel that um, from a, you know, from kind of an outsider's perspective. Um, I did have, you know, loving family members and such, 
But as I experienced little injustices that I did and then try to put together, like, how does this whole thing work? What is going on here? There is no logic to it because the state is a coercive organization. And these guys, you know, bless their souls. They're just people in costumes. They're just got this um, cult religion of authority in their head that they have certain rights that I don't have because they're wearing uniforms and badges. And I couldn't articulate that years ago. But after going to freedom events, uh, people are, you know, very bold, you know, that this is illegitimate, you know. And this is what Lysander Spooner did 150 years ago in his essay, No Treason, the Constitution of No, no Authority. He destroys the Constitution in essence that it can't be a valid contract because I didn't sign it. And so if I have inalienable rights to my life, liberty, and property, you don't get access to those just if, when I'm born. You actually need my consent, which what the Declaration of Independence alluded to, right, is that the just powers of government come from the consent of the governed. But you're thinking, well, I didn't consent to anything, so how do you have just powers of government? I did not consent. And so just you know, recently, I've been able to kind of find the, the key points where uh, truth lies and where morality is. And it doesn't come from a monopoly organization for educating children, schooling children, or protection from police or any of these things. Um, and he goes as far back to the military industrial complex and the Federal Reserve banking system. So there's a lot of um, history that they didn't teach us in schools because they want us to be ignorant of our past so that they can just rule us. But uh, the mass awakening is here. And so um, I'm really hopeful in that because these turning points points have allowed me to find kind of a path that I get excited about. And that's what I would share with parents, you know, is like, let your children pursue whatever they're interested in, because one day they will find their path and it will be beautiful and joyful. And that's really what life is about. I think, you know, finding your, your, your course in life, your fulfilling mission, your vision. And then if you can do it with some other people alongside you, you know, locking elbows together, you know, I think there's going to be a, um, even more greater achievements um, by people like you and your audience and all of us together because of this conscious awakening of personal sovereignty. And uh, it did start with being uh, kind of unjustly treated um, by the local police officers. And um, I'm sure there's more, more events, but, um, you know, it's all about just reaching out and creating new relationships. And so um, I did that. And um, now I'm, you know, on, on a better path, I think. That's a great answer because there always is that inciting moment, right? Where it's, you can't take it anymore. It's too much. Uh, somebody was asking me or not asking me, but telling me about how they handle dealing with people with masks out there and, you know, obviously attacking them and shaming them and putting them down doesn't work. And so he asked the question, I want to get in the habit of that is, is like, how long are you prepared to wear it for? Is it a month? Is it six months? Is it, is it five years or 10 years or the rest of your life? Like what, what would actually be that, that tipping point that would send you over the edge? Because we all have like, you know, I thought personally when this whole thing hit, I'm like, oh my God, everybody's going to wake up now. Right. I'm like, oh wow, it's, it's so over the top and we've been pushed up against a wall and locked down. Everyone's going to rise. And, and then you look around and go, oh, well, some people are rising, but Oh my God! They're they're not only complying, but they are uh, they are 
creating pressure and force on each other to comply, right? Like now I've, mm. I've basically lost my family. Uh, they are saying that I am mentally ill. Uh, there's, there is obviously collusion going on at that level and with my son. And, you know, this is not, this is not uh, small potatoes we're dealing with. These are high right. stakes. Yep. yep. You know? So. Yeah. Well, my experience the last four months doing non-compliance out here in Santa Cruz and San Jose is that there are people who realize what's going on, but because of the conformity habit training they have learned in school and media, they don't have the courage to take the mask off. I've had people come up to me in stores because when I go into stores, people try to berate me or something. And I say very calmly, I have a medical exemption. I have a serious health condition. And most of the time they let me through no problem. Sometimes they don't even say anything. Um, but then like ladies come up to me wearing a mask. Oh, I wish I had courage to take the mask off. I'm like, you just go like this. You just got to take it off. You, they literally are mind controlling us so that we police ourselves. We control ourselves by their own rules. They don't need real police. They, we police ourselves and then the people around us, right? Um, like the Karens or they call it or the normies or something. Um, I just call them brainwashed people. I'm sure they're well-intentioned, well, good-hearted people but they haven't learned to develop their own mind yet. Um, I had another lady, we were at Carmel, California last week doing the bullhorn, going down, letting people know there is no pandemic. The CDC changed the numbers. You can take the mask off. And I would say it's 70% positive. People honking their horns. The lady comes up to me. She's like, thank you for doing this. You know, gives me a hug. So there's people who are awake, but they just don't have the courage like you do, Beth, and the people listening here to go out and actually start a conversation and then also one of the great realizations I had is that I'm no longer trying to persuade people in the moment. I see my role as like Johnny Appleseed for freedom. I'm just putting seeds out there and then other people will water it because we're having a collective conscious conversation and I'll grab the bullhorn, I'll kind of you know, disrupt that conversation, throw some facts in, into it and then get out of there. And then maybe later on, you know, they can um, – uh, have a conversation about what was spoken about, but I'm no longer trying to say, look at this and look at that. Come on, you know, let's be right. It's like, dude, I've done my research. This is a total scam. If anything, it's a flu. Um, Dr. Andy Kaufman said there is no virus because they haven't isolated it. And, you know, he's on a really um, scientific level. So, but conservatively, let's call it a flu. And there's a few thousand deaths. This is just unacceptable. They're shutting down these businesses trying to threaten people with fines. And the point is, is that people are awaking a little, but that fear, the fear is the real virus. And it's fear of the police, fear of the IRS, fear of the truancy officer, fear of the county health officer. And at what point do we realize, okay, if I'm feeling terror, fear from that organization, that means that organization is a terrorist organization. And a few months ago, I was on a local television um, interview, and I said that just to see if they would publish that. And I said the local county health officer, health department is a terrorist organization. And they led with that quote in the story, and I was so happy because I think people are ready to hear this side of the argument is that if you are using coercion, threats, violence, intimidation, then you're the bad guy. And it doesn't matter if you have a shiny badge or a uniform or you got elected or you got appointed. All that stuff is immaterial. What we're talking about is actual peace, actual um, goodness, and you can't use that against a peaceful, nonviolent individual. So this is the conversation. I thought that 
somehow people were going to get it, you know, later by uh, osmosis. But then this summer in the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, the only way people are going to get these ideas is if we speak about them and they're ready for them. So this is like the people are, oh, Biden sucks and Trump sucks or great. So how about no ruler? You know, and even the people in California, bless their souls, they're recalling Gav, uh, Governor Newsom. And I, I uh, admire their action, but I don't get excited by let's recall this governor and put in a new governor. Yay. And have another ruler. You know, it's I rule me. You rule you. That seems like a fair deal. I'm not going to force you. You don't force me and we can be friends. So there is this awakening happening, but slower than I'd like. But in any case, the, the criminals, I think, are very vulnerable. This is their Hail Mary. So people that uh, you know watch football or play football, you know, it's the fourth quarter and they just throw a big old pass and they're like, please take it. And some of them are. But deep down, there's people who smell a rat and uh, the great documentary Plandemic Indoctrination, I heard got a billion views in 24 hours and just very courageous media producers out there documenting the bad intentions with uh Bill Gates and Fauci and the whistleblower Judy Mikovich. I mean, there's a lot of people putting their life on the line and I have so much appreciation for them. And the reality is that when all of us do it together, they have to give up because they're far outnumbered. They use psychological warfare. And this is where the importance of being courageous and being brave. And, um, you know, I was raised Christian and I heard a, some, some uh, quote in the Bible that uh, really affected me. And I don't believe in eternal hell fire and damnation any longer, but the quote was, he who loses his life gains it. And he who gains his life loses it. And now it's like, oh, I get it. You got to go all in on things. And that's what's happening. I think for a lot of people that they're going all in and saying, you know what, this is for my kids, my grandkids. I'm no longer going to stay silent because we have a duty as humans on the earth to speak the truth. And when we see something wrong, when we see an injustice, we got to say something. And, you know, if you want to, you can even jump in front of the tank or put your body on the gears or throw sand in the gears or something. But to watch innocent people, especially children, be brutalized is not OK for me. And I think probably many people watching and listening are getting this kind of energy as well. So united, we're strong and divided, we're weak. And that's what all this racism and political stuff is all about, as many of you guys know. So we're trying to find the common ground. And I think the common ground is self-ownership. It is personal sovereignty. And that gives me a lot of excitement. So that's why I get so thrilled with all the activities that's, that's going on with uh, my groups and some of the people outside like yours. That's awesome. Yeah, I was watching a video of yours yesterday, literally standing with your mega horn on the, uh, or blowhorn, or I don't know what you call those, but- uh, Bullhorn, the, yeah. Bullhorn, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, speaking to anybody who comes by on the street and, and the, the remarkable thing about it, David, was your energy. You were uh, obviously coming from love. You were uh, expressing happiness. You were you were actually joyful in your vibration that that you carry. And uh, you, you know, because the thing is that people are. It's hard to remember, and you hear a lot of put downs. You hear like they're oh those mask holes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, I can't. I won't deny not being upset. Uh, at times at people and just like hanging my head and, and feeling judgment. But to remember over and over again, that these people are traumatized. That's why they will do the thing that makes no sense for them and no sense for their child. 
Mm. Nobody in their right mind would act like this. It's because mm. they are damaged. They're in a, they're in, under a spell of trauma from the fear that you talked about, right? So it, approaching a person like that compared to, you know, like getting by the shoulders and shaking them, try to shake them awake, that's actually more traumatizing. That's not going to add to them. Uh, but but coming coming with love and, and openness and being available to the people that actually want and need to hear what you have to say, then that's really hopeful. Yes. And I think you said it, you know, and this is love is the answer, as we all know in our head. But to bring that into our heart, I think it's really important. Um, the poet Roberto Benini gave me a few quotes and he said, there is no such thing as wasted love. Mm. And. We always love too little, too late. And so I heard that a couple of years ago. I said, man, I'm just going to start loving people. And if I, if I get hurt, I get hurt. You know, if I get deceived, I get deceived. But I'm not responsible for what they do. I'm responsible for what I do. And part of the, the movement just in the past summer, really, is understanding where people are. You said it so perfectly. People are traumatized. They've been brainwashed. They've been victimized. Most of the police officers, most of these people, just regular Ordinary Americans out there have been deceived and lied to and, and uh, programmed through the media, through the government. And so now when I'm talking with them, it's like I try to have as much compassion as possible. Now, sometimes I get heated and, you know, I'm a human, too. And, you know, those things happen. But for the most part, it's like, man, I'm trying to give you some information if you're open, you know, but if you're closed minded, then you might be too far gone. You know, God bless you. But like if you're open and, you, and you're a little bit doubtful what's going on, you got a few questions going on, then I can give you some information. I can share some of the insights that I've gotten, but I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm not trying to convert you. I'm just trying to give you some information so you can wake up to the reality of yourself, of your own kingship or queenship, because that is so liberating. And then you start hanging out with other kings and queens and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Like this is humanity at its beginning stages and what can we build upon if we're seeking win-win relationships, mutually beneficial outcomes. I mean, we can actually collaborate and do some really amazing things. And that's why I believe a voluntary world is inevitable. I think it will happen. There's gonna be some, probably some dark times in the urban areas, but ultimately I'm very hopeful and using compassion as a way to reach people and as a way to actually just be human because especially in the city areas, there's people, they forget their humanity, you know, whereas in smaller towns, people still wave at each other and, you know, have a little bit of respect for each other. But in places where you can be anonymous, you can just be a total jerk and, you know, have road rage and, and be mean. But either way, you know, I, um, I let go of road rage a while ago because the great Wayne Dyer said, you don't die from a snake bite you die from the snake bite than the poison that keeps circling throughout your system. Mm -hmm. So you have to let go of that poison, that anger, whatever it is, despite it being righteous anger. And I still have that. So I'm not saying don't be, you know, have no anger ever, but in terms of it destroying your own emotional state, the highest vibration is love or enlightenment or whatever you choose your highest vibration is, but be there because this is heavy lifting and it's very, um, I would say dis disempowering to go by yourself sometimes. So you noticed I wasn't by myself with the bullhorn out there on the street. You know, we literally had eight, 10, 12 people, and that's a good enough little group 
when we went down and opened up the beaches, you know, they cut down the ribbons, the, the yellow tape, and then hundreds of people came after us. But it's this core group who can look each other in the face and know we are doing righteous work. This is good action. So together, let's do it, despite it being illegal, but even the government itself is illegitimate. So the essence is that we have to be moral people, have a moral code, a moral compass, which again, I did not hear that in college or school. The difference between right or wrong, you know, it's really like the non-aggression principle, very simple. Do whatever you want, except harm another person or their property and don't defraud people. So this is where I think there is a lot of um, inspiration for people, a lot of excitement to realize, oh, I don't have to do it alone. And then some of my friends realize the power of two. So the power of two is when you go shopping or you go do activism, flyering or whatever you're doing, if you do it together, just with one other conscious sovereign human, there's such good energy. So, you know, you go to Whole Foods and they say, hey, you got to have your mask on. And you just stay really calm and you say, we have medical exemptions. And they say, both of you say, yeah, would you like to see it? No, that's okay. And we went to one place and we have to try to have a burrito after we're doing it. We, we give out free hugs every Friday too. So we're giving free hugs today in Santa Cruz um, to kind of break the trance as well. And afterwards we go to this burrito place and there was eight of us and we were like the only, of course, people not wearing a mask. And um, we just keep a straight face, believe in what we're saying. And, say, and they said, um, you guys got to have masks. I say, we have serious health conditions. We're a support group because we all have the same health conditions. And, you know, as you kind of word it, this is true. We need oxygen. I can't breathe the oxygen. So anyways, there's strength in numbers. And um, it's very uplifting to be with other a voluntarist is the term, you know, people that believe in self ownership. The term is uh, voluntary relationships. You know, let's just have consensual voluntary relationships. I think this is the future. And if we can use the empathy and the compassion, not as a way to manipulate, but actually how to connect with ourselves that connect with them, then it's real and it's authentic. And I think that's what many humans are looking for right now. Mm -hmm. Little love wants a hug and a burrito, just so you know. <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A um, couple of things I'd like to talk about there is, um, first, of, first of all, around, around, I know apprenticeship is a big subject of yours. And when it comes to the hero's journey and that, that uh, like you said, righteous anger, it has its place. And uh, but if you stay in that place, then it's going to eat you. Like I, I know I have grandparents that uh, ultimately died of this. And I think my, the cancer that I suffered, I don't know if you know about that, but I, I think it was a large part due to that, that kind of rebel anger that didn't have a clear target. I didn't know what my, my purpose with that anger was. And, you know, if you, if you follow the hero's journey, the next stage from that, like rising up into anger and saying, yeah, this is actually wrong, what's happening here. You have to do that. You have to have that moment of, of realizing the betrayal, the, the fraud, the, the deception, everything that's removed your ability to make a clear decision. You, ha you have to get mad about that, but you also have to become the master of your inner experience. And because that's a big cost to run anger all day long. That's a huge cost to your health. Uh, it's not going to be good for your relationships. People are not going to want to listen. You know, there's only so much. I was listening to a, an interview last night. I really, really wanted to hear the guest, but there was so much bad vibe coming out in the name of active, activism that it was like, it was this, I was this 
kind of, you know, felt, I felt squished between it and not to criticize actually. In fact, I have nothing but support. I don't, you know, right now we'll just get out with whatever we have. Uh, but it, it, mu it must be mastered. You have to learn how not to fight. You have to learn how not to show up for being attacked. Uh, you know, you have to conserve your energy and see in a very strategic, disciplined way, how are you going to show up to your people? Now, one of the ways that people do that, and this is classic for the hero's journey, is through mentorship. And I know apprenticeship is a major part of your, your philosophy and how, how you're, you like to school. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I think apprenticeship is the future. It's a proven model of uh, inexperienced person getting connected with an experienced person and the young person can volunteer and then the experienced person gets a helper. And this is kind of the essence of it. But because of the information revolution that we're a part of on this device and platform right now, information is everywhere. So information is no longer a, a, a rare thing. So now it's about specialized skills, specialized mindsets, and tips, insights, things that people have learned over the millennia or this generation. So how do you exchange that with young people? You got to get them working together. I'm not talking about a curriculum from a book. Okay, everybody, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be one size fits all. It's allowing your child whatever they're interested in. It could be music, engineering, dance. Um, art, math, whatever, whatever it is, there is somebody in that field who's an expert making great money, who's an expert making decent money, or having a great time and enjoying their life in that field. So if the teenager generally can identify some area of interest, then we can help them find that mentor, find that individual. And it's not a, like a matchmaking situation, but it's like, hey, you're interested in this, so who do you respect in the world who's a master at that? So let's see if we can form a relationship with them. And so I'll work with the teenager, I'll work with the parent to facilitate that because if you can get connected, and I'll give you a few examples. One of my uh, mentors was John Taylor Gatto. And so okay. how, did I get, yeah, how did I get connected with him? And well, I found out you know, um, how to contact him through the people at tragedyandhope.com. And I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to help promote his name. You know, I'm tired of seeing these school buildings named after Horace Mann. And Horace Mann, so you know, he was the guy who brought the Prussian school system from Prussia, old Germany, into Boston, Massachusetts in 1852. And so he's quoted as being the the catalyst for public school, and he's just a, a guy, a pol a politically ambitious guy uh, who didn't care about people and was just figuring out how to break up the unity of the middle class, and he said that. So I see horseman school in this city, horseman school in this city. I'm, I'm tired of this. So I reached out to John Gatto, and I asked him if I could help him, and that's the essence of creating a relationship is you don't go up to the mentor and say, can you help me? You go up to him and say, I can help you. I am willing to do this. Donate my time. Donate my energy because I respect you. And maybe we can, you know, create a relationship. And so that initiative by myself created a relationship. And I got into business with him and, you know, run his, his website, social media stuff. Despite him passing away, you know, a couple of years ago, rest in peace, John, we love you. Um, so that's one way, but I have you no know, two or three other mentors, which was the same thing. I reached out to them personally 
And there is no other way to find these guys. You actually have to go up to them, call them, email them, knock on their door, wherever it is, if you want to be in a relationship with them. And uh, one of the great things you realize is you get together with these mentors, whether it's a business mentor or health or relationship or um, whatever you're interested in, your child or teenager is interested in, you realize they're human beings. You know, sometimes you put people on a pedestal like they're better than me or something. And you're like, no, they're just human. And everybody's got their own little quirks. And then once you're around somebody for a long time, you're like, oh, he's, he's kind of weird and awkward like me. And that's all of us, you know, we are the humans. And so television is a deception and the movies are deception. They're just good performing people, but they have flaws as I do, as we all do. So being close with someone who's a, who's a master in their field allows you to humanize them. And then you feel like, wow, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. And you meet another mentor and you start to get a handful of people around you who are just regular humans, but they're passionate or they, they love deeply, they care deeply and say, okay, I can do it too. And so if the teenager can get that at age 15 or 16 or 20 or 25, even 30, even, but at some point it's like, no, I want to be like that guy or I respect that guy. So you connect them in that, in that way. And I think what's happening, we'll see how, how the future looks, but I think there's a lot of new careers that are being created right now. Uh, nobody knows what's going to happen uh, in the future, but with the with the internet and um, all this technology, the the world really is our, our oyster. And if young people can just open up their minds and have you know helpful, supportive parents like you and your listeners out there to open it up and say, you know, what not what you want to do later. What do you want to do today? You know, what is exciting to you today? Because if you could, if you can focus on what's exciting today then you actually will develop that passion muscle, that curiosity muscle, that persistence muscle. And later you can direct that or execute that in any other field. Um, so it's really important that um, people out there realize that you can become anything if you find a mentor or master in their field who can help you. And of course you can do it without them too, but why waste 20 years of your life trying to figure it out if they spent 30 or 50 years of their lives learning the hard way. And so we set it up that way, you know, create a win-win relationship and it can be a one day apprenticeship or a seven day or a month or whatever, but it's, we're all humans and everybody has to get something of value out of the relationship. And so that's how we set up the apprenticeship relationship with the mentorship and make it a win-win. And uh, if the student and the mentor like each other and there's some affinity, then uh, it's up to them to continue that if they want. So, um, I think that is uh, one of the, the future models of education is the apprenticeship model. So um, I'm working hard to get that book out so you guys can can read the book. Fantastic. I'm excited about that. Uh, it is a, a big part of my world and my subject. I always saw this, that that mentorship was the future of education. It's not about standing in front of the room and pontificating and, and imparting knowledge. Because like you said, we live in the day where now this curve has just changed, by the way. When you Google, it's different. You're not getting information anymore. You are getting narrative. It's, yep. it, it, you know, you, now you need to search with a lot of skill and have to know a little bit what's already out there to, to find it. So our day of information, it peaked and um, we're, 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 in, we're in a different place now. But 
it's not the information that people need. Yes, of course they need knowledge that that that's irreplaceable, but it's not the transforming part. It is the the transmission that that a mentor would give. That it's the energy, like you said, that that they could see themselves in that mentor's shoes and go, oh wow, I could do that. I didn't see right. that before. Uh, and and very often mentors choose their proteges also rather than the other way around that that it's the mentor that says you know what i know i can help you that happened to me um how long ago was it now just uh it it was the the impetus for writing my book i was approached it was somebody i was working for they turned around and said you know what beth you should be in a different place i want to help you get there and i'm uh gonna work with you for free for a year i usually charge sixty thousand dollars to to my clients and, and I want to mentor you. I want to take you to a new place. He has since passed away. God bless him because I, I might not be right here right now and uh, probably would not have published my book, especially given. And it was uh, actually Narcopoco was my deadline to finish that book, which I might not have easily done after COVID uh, turned the world upside down. So all of those beautiful synchronicities through connections, right? This is where we get our energy. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. People can get, I always leave these streams feeling more enthusiastic and better about my life and better about myself. This is how we are giving each other energy. And uh, that's a really beautiful thing. And so I really honor that part of your work, David. Uh, I also want to say one more thing about, we are all just people. So yesterday, I don't know if you're familiar with Kevin Annette. Sounds familiar, but I can't put a face to the name. He's been a champion for Indigenous rights for a lot of years already. He comes head to head with government. He's very familiar with common law and has created Parkland's uh, Qualicum as the Republic of Kanata. And it is illegal, according to common law, to practice COVID regulations. And they are successful. So he's now traveling around the country, helping people to set up assemblies and uh, so I got wind that he was going to be doing a Zoom call. And I'm like, yeah, could I get on that Zoom call? Well, next thing you know, I ended up the host of the Zoom call and uh, asking all the questions for some reason. I got I, got, I elected myself, I guess. And, <laughs> and, then, and then it was so beautiful because it, it's easy to think of him like, wow, he's got all this experience and all these books and, and he's so, so in demand. And it's like, no, he's a person. He's a person like you and me in flesh and blood, and he has struggles, and you could see the the stress on him, and you could also see the light on him, and it's just such a great thing that you know, to to for other people to hear. Never be afraid to talk to someone, and your approach, David, is perfect. Offer something. Don't go asking. You yeah. want to offer. You want to give. You want to make yourself useful. That that starts a thread of purpose in in the relationship and then and then if there's something uh, mutual that you can learn and they want to transmit then how beautiful is that that is nature's way as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. that's right yeah i can't remember who said it but it's like it's like going to a a stack of or an empty fire stove and saying hey fire stove give me heat and the fire stove well you got to give me wood first <laughs> so we have to bring the wood first and then we get the heat and Again, this is a secret that schools hide uh, intentionally because if you learn to give value, if you learn to offer, if you learn to not only just do it to get what you want, but to enjoy giving, right? If you learn to like it, like and love giving, then you're basically unstoppable. I have another friend. He's a transformational comedian, Kyle Cease, and uh, he, he 
helps distinguish between an apple tree, which gives the apple, where people are very have scarcity mindset against the apple. Says, "Oh, I got a you know very delicate apple, and you know use it wisely." He says, "No, you." are the apple tree you're not the apple just make your apples and if somebody wants to come and abuse your apples or waste it fine or or, or you're going to feel um limited by the apples over here that's on them but you are the, the the producer you're the the root not the fruit and so that abundance mindset also is really important you know you're not limited you are an infinite being and we're here in a mortal body i believe you know, to experience what it is to have consciousness and free will and experience the, the ups and downs and everything else is, is a human and learning to give without a, a, a attachment to the outcome puts you in a very powerful place versus if you're attached to, you know, what must happen or what needs to happen. Well, you know, that's going to be a opportunity to be disappointed. But if you just give knowing that you ha don't have control of what happens to your apple, you just give the apple. And then whatever somebody else does, you know, that's their freedom to do. So there is an abundance mindset that, uh, you know, we want to have young people tap into because there's not scarcity really in the, in the mentality. It's just in the um, kind of the planned obsolescence of the economy, you know, like the command economy with uh, major corporations uh, producing most of our food and, and clothes and all these things. But the, the small business owner, if they can learn to uh, begin to produce for themselves or have a, a teenager, have a small business, just make one little object, one little thing, they can learn that process. And then hopefully they can become some giant, you know, success like uh, the founder of Ikea, who you know, started off very poor and became a very successful individual. Very good. <clears throat> and so you're obviously wearing it really well and gracefully, but uh, how do you manage the stress that would come up in your work? Because sometimes it's just sheer volume. Uh, you know, King heroes typically are looking out for so much more than just themselves. You've really got your eye on giving as you're, as you were saying, uh, is there, are there particular things you turn to, to let go of the stress? So self-care is also one of the curriculums that I teach my homeschool clients that if mom and dad aren't in good mental state, then how can they give that to the children? Mm -hmm. So self-care is number one. And so I take that pretty serious. Um, I was raised up in the mountains and the trees and for a while I was in the city and I forgot about that. And so I've rediscovered that um, the last few years is in nature. And so really on a hot day, I just enjoy swimming in a river or the ocean or the lake. And that just fills me up so much going into the trees and, um, and being with nature really is one way that I take care of myself. And, you know, sometimes you can get massages or um, meditate, you know, I try to meditate every day and really focus on what I have control of and let go of what I can't, you know, and, it's really interesting, too, because once we realize what's happening in the world by the state, the governments, the banks and everything, it really is easy to say, OK, I'm going to take all that on and act like I can you know, bear all that. Um, but reality, it's taken generations to get here. In the last six months, uh, this whole thing didn't happen. It's been a revealing of what these guys have been planning for. They do have 30 year goals, 50 80, 100-year goals, these geopolitical psychos. And so if I start to plan in a similar way, then I can also gain some peace of mind that, 
okay, well, I'll do whatever little bit I can do. But first, I got to take care of the man in the mirror. You know, that guy looking back at me, uh, we got to have peace. We got to have joy, excitement, love. And anytime I get off track, I do try to uh, get back on and uh, maybe take a walk or, or go somewhere that uh, is energizing. You know, and like you said, I get a lot of my energy from the people. You know, we've been doing the bonfires. And the, the reason I've been going to Narcopoco for six years and I miss it, again, you got to wait a year to go back. So I started putting together a local group, Santa Cruz Voluntarius, last year, and that started to grow this year. And now we get together every week, multiple times every week. So it's like a mini freedom event. You know, you get together with your people, you go give hugs, or you go um, have meetings about what's going on. We're learning like different law strategies, and people got cases we're trying to fight. We're helping each other with conscious beings, not with normie brainwash status. You know, God bless them, but with awakened people. So, you know, you go out and you get energized because they're awake and you're awake and we're real. We're able to have conversations about the media narrative and the lies and the scam. And you're like, okay, well, this is a, uh, as we call our bonfires, the voluntary solutions bonfire. So, mm -hmm. hey, a lot of crap's going outside. But when we come here, we come with a spirit of resolution, a spirit of, of solving a problem, helping each other, whatever it might be. And it's, it's so fulfilling in that aspect. So that's another way self-care is through the human con connection, you know, and, and hugs was a big one too. We've been doing this for two months and you, we go out and give free hugs and, and, and people are crying sometimes, Beth. Like people are like, even they're wearing masks and they're like kind of skeptical and they're like, come on. And we just put our arms out there. We say, bring it in for the hug. And they hug us and sometimes they tear up. But the secret is that I actually benefit almost more than they do because I'm getting 50% of that hug. So you give a hug, but you receive a hug. So, I mean, just handshakes, hugs, and high fives. Um, tonight's really exciting. So it is that the, the stress comes, it gets released in nature and with positive friends and people who are awake. So I just saw someone say about, yeah, freedom picnics. Awesome, man. Absolutely. Get together. And um, it really is exciting. And you can let go some of that, that anger and that frustration and it transmute it into something more empowering. Mm -hmm, exactly. So uh, I don't know if you heard about the uh, the Rhinebeck fire. I was in upstate New York in the summer and uh, we, we did a ritual around the fire that was really about bringing people both together, but also uh, electing ourselves voluntarily, of course, to start a fire, to, uh, to be a fire starter. So that uh, it wasn't just about, oh, now we've got this nice tight group of uh, truthers and it's us against the world. It's like, no, we, we put up our hand and said, yeah, I'm going to go home and create this. And, and I wasn't looking forward to it, David. I really wasn't because I don't have a huge amount of support here in my local community. My, my, my audience has been international. And so, uh, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I don't care if it's a tribe of one or a tribe of two or whatever. I'm just going to put this out and, and uh, see what happens. And now we've had our, as of last night, we had a, a third fire. And this was by one of the starter, uh, the fire starters that came to my first fire. So now they created their own group and it's starting to create neurons uh, throughout the land, a nervous system. Each each group is totally sovereign. I'll never tell them how to run their group or what to say or, or do. But we have this connection with each other, a, a kind of code, a fire code, really, to see, okay, who, who might have our back when things get 
a little too crazy out there. And for those of us that are sticking our neck out, you need, like you said, you went with eight people when you when you uh, spoke through the, the bullhorn. That's what we need. And that's what Kevin reflected yesterday, too, that it's through the assembly where other people are willing to support and show up. It's like, oh, I'm under arrest. Can you come with a camera? And right, uh, right like those those kind of things. Then one person can easily be taken down. You cannot be, a, um, I mean, a tribe of one is a place to start, but you're going to get crushed. The system knows how to take you down if you're just one. But as soon as you've got accountability and support, then it's a, a different ball game. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And some concept that I've been hearing about a little while and has become more interested is called the Freedom Cell Network. Mm -hmm. And um, that's basically like a group of eight, like you said. So when stuff goes bad, you don't call the police because those guys are armed thugs and monopoly men and they're not there to protect you. They're there to extort you generally mm -hmm. or kidnap you. And so you text your freedom cells. Hey, guys, this is you said, bring a camera, maybe bring some weapons. I'm going to be kidnapped or whatever it is. And then with a group of six, seven, eight people in your immediate area, you know, hopefully five, ten minutes away or so. Now you have actually a support network. And so I think this is the future, too. So people start um, awakening to the need of having your own safety security team. And it's a win win, you know, kind of like the apprenticeship relationship. It's like what's good for you can be good for me. So let's make it a win win. I got your back. You got my back. And I think this is why the future is going to be voluntary villages or intentional communities, which physically get together and because once this criminal organization realizes it's time is up and it might be already, you know, they're realizing it, they're going to be grasping for whatever they can get. And, uh, you know, truth tellers like yourself and other people out there, um, they don't want us to continue speaking. So we got to have that people around us and it is going to be a, um, you know, a challenging time, but having that support team there, um, I think gives you peace of mind and just understanding that, you know, I can call these guys, I can trust these guys and they're not going to use coercion and violence and initiate aggression against me like the Monopoly um, coercive organization would. So having that support network is super important too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you got it. And so I, I feel like I know the answer to this question already, but uh, does it feel like a sacred purpose for you, what you're doing? Does it does it feel like it's coming through you, the divine? It, uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's so interesting to you know, discuss how we choose our missions and purposes. But as I said earlier, from a young age, I just wanted to be free. And, you know, from the schools and from the parents and, you know, despite all these well-intentioned people, they don't know what they don't know. They're coming from a status, totalitarian, authoritarian mindset, uh, subconsciously often. And so I just like, I just want to get free. And then I found out later, yes, oh, oh, I just want to be free to do what I want and live my life on this earth and have a great life, man. Experience love and joy and excitement, man. Just let me be. And then once I took a look at the reality, it's like, wow, I bet a lot of people feel this way. And so I think it is like, I don't know if God chose me or I chose the purpose or God or whatever. Um, but I think that something feels righteous and necessary and fulfilling uh, about promoting freedom and self-ownership and the non-aggression principle and, and intergenerational freedom. So, yeah, I think it is a mission. And who knows if it's a destiny or fate. But, uh, you know, this is the 
the paradox of life, you know, it can change tomorrow. But after you start to be around it for a while and it start to resonate and, you know, those seeds that were planted six years ago, they start to take root in my heart. Then it's like, okay, well, this seems to be the, the good fruit. And uh, there's, there's positive results and good humans and a hopeful future. So this might be what I'm supposed to be doing. And it starts to feel that way. So I just kind of follow what feels good and, uh, you know, try to do my best with, uh, with what I have and, uh, you know, the knowledge and awareness. Um, but I think it is. I think it is probably is a, a divine or sacred purpose that I chose for myself or source, you know, brought me into the, the fold. I'm not sure. But um, the more people, the better. And I do have some friends also who, he, this is a few years ago. He said, here, I'm, on, I'm here on a mission from God talking about freedom. I said, man, I think you might be right. So uh, I think that's probably the case for me too. Very good. And it's so, it's so co-created, right? Like it, it, it's, it's the fire that you can't start without bringing wood. So you bring the wood and God goes, right. <laughs> you know, so right. yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, was there ever a time when you crashed, when, when you fell down and how did you get to the other side of that? I like to demonstrate for my listeners that, you know, because sometimes you do have that knock them down. For me, it was cancer and a variety of other things that have happened in my life one way or another, things happen. And if people can see how you got to the other side, it, inf it really informs them and gives them that chance that if they're in, in, a, in a place of crash, that they can do it too. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've, like I said, made a lot of mistakes and, and choices in my life. I think uh, one of the ones recently which was affecting me was a relationship, you know. So as you become conscious to what's going on, um, you want to make it work with somebody. And so uh, the relationship didn't work out. And I could blame and I could, you know, point the finger. And I think some of the, you know, blame is righteous, but... In all of that, I see areas where I made decisions and evaluations. And so rather than put, you know, 50% on her and 50% on me, I realized, oh, I'm 100% responsible for this relationship, for this outcome. What happened? I am number one. I take it all. And not just to say to like make people feel good or make me feel good, but like really step into I made this choice, I felt this way, and I still proceeded, or I still did this or that. So I just took all that on. I said, I'm the cause of this relationship. I'm the, I'm the cause of the reason it didn't work. And by that way, I can actually get some useful lessons to bear. Say, okay, you know, I can't blame, even though it seems okay. It's like, no, the champion is the one who takes responsibility for whatever they can, you know, and not in a way where it's like, lying to myself. I mean, I really take 100% responsibility for the relationship. And when I did that, there was actually relief. It was like, okay, so I am responsible. And it's my choice. And from there, I think we can actually make really powerful decisions. Because if I'm 100% responsible, then that puts me in power. But if I'm 50% responsible, then that gives my power away. So I think this is where we're going is in stepping into personal power, not just for relationships, you know, uh, intimate, romantic, friendly, whatever, but, you know, for ourself, our self-care, responsible for my health. I'm responsible for uh, the business. I'm responsible for whatever I can. And that's all about the, the transformational man, I think. And this is where I started to get excited because I started taking some transformational courses and where we actually learned that we are the 
meaning makers in our life. Mm-hmm. So, so something happens and we interpret it immediately, right? We have a knee-jerk reaction. And the truth is, is that we don't have to react. We can be neutral and observe and then respond and choose how we perceive that and choose to make an empowering meaning of this relationship, of this business failure, of this health challenge. How can I make that empowering? And I also had some health challenges too, and it was a big awakening. I said, whoa, you know, like this, this life is not long, man. Like you've got to do something. You've got to feel the mortality, and I surely did. So I had some wake-up calls in that aspect where it's like, okay, today's the day. You know, I have a funny um, phrase that I, I – said jokingly, but now it's real. It's like every day is my birthday. You know, like today is the day. Why do I got to wait 364 days to be happy to be alive? You know, it's like, no, I wake up today is my birthday. I'm alive. And that type of um, meaning, that type of evaluation fulfills me and excites me because as, as crazy it might sound to somebody else, it makes sense to me and it makes me feel good. And so taking responsibility for these, these decisions and the meanings that I'm making, I think ultimately is really um, uh, encouraging and inspiring for myself and, uh, you know, something to consider for other people looking to make positive meanings as well. Mm, that's amazing. We're so on the same page. Uh, David, we're going to have to w- work together on something, I, I think, in the future. Uh, yeah. Because that, that, that uh, assumption of radical responsibility where you're no, you're no longer sorting out what's your stuff and, and my stuff and there, you know, all this, that's just, that's, that's baby stuff. Maybe there's, mm. there, maybe there's a step, but it's not going to give you full power. It's only going to give you power to the extent that you are willing to assume responsibility. And uh, that's, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a very noble quality. And then you actually do have so much more control. Right. If and, and it's easy, I like to say this. I want to hear the words coming out of my mouth because there's going to be a new situation that it looks pretty damn convincing that it's somebody else's, uh, you know, responsibility. And and yes, it might be it might be their fault, but it's it's sort of useless to even think like that, right? Like it just takes your energy away. It's not going to help that person, but response self responsibility certainly will. So. Thank you for reminding me of that that I needed to learn. <laughs> and yes, uh, and and this is this is the quality of a leader. Yeah. You know, the quality of a leader mm-hmm. is lead yourself, and maybe you can lead a few other people, lead a few other people. But ultimately, they say, "Who's responsible?" You say, "I'm responsible." You know, the somebody comes over and says, "You know, who's in charge of this thing?" Or I'm in charge because nobody wants to take that again through the programming to the school. Like you don't want to make a mistake, mm-hmm. but as you know, mistakes are the teachers. Mistakes give you lessons. So they give you the knowledge and the wisdom so that you can do it, make another attempt. And if that doesn't work, you can make another attempt. You know, failure isn't final. You know, you can just keep going. You know, it's not fatal. You can keep going. It's a lesson. It's, it's a, um, a wisdom giver. And changing how we feel about mistakes and wrong, dis- wrong decisions is also a really great thing to do as well. Mm-hmm, exactly. I, I wish the best for everybody, but it's really truly the mistakes that are the enlightening part of life. So, <laughs> right. So I'd love to ask you one more question, but before I do that, how do people reach you? I've got this one one website, David James Rodriguez, and I can see uh, several others at your at your uh, Facebook. Are there is there one you'd like me to share that people should go to? Um, no, this one's good right there. Okay. And then uh, if people are interested in doing some consulting or have questions, you can email me at info at homeschoolleader.com, um, whether it's homeschool consulting or anything like this. Um, and those are the best places to find me at the moment. 
Okay, that's wonderful. Oh, there's a home. I forgot. There's a homeschool leader Facebook group I have as well. So we okay. got a few thousand homeschooling families on there, and mm -hmm. I'm going to be putting more uh, content in there. We have one for apprenticeship apprenticeship creators as well. Ooh, I'd, I'd like to be in on that one. That that's amazing. Very good. So definitely visit David on Facebook and check out his group uh, about homeschooling and uh, and apprenticeships. So then the last question I'd like to ask is about. And you said it earlier that you were doing some work in, um, you didn't say this, but men, men's empowerment. And that's, you know, typically when you, when you look, I used to host a workshop and there would be 49 women and one guy. And, uh, you know, but to be fair, it was also a pretty girly world. And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't in the King Hero phase at all. In fact, I was at war with my own inner masculine and it was coming to peace with that after my dad died that made me open up to healing that side of myself. And it really was a, a total game changer, extremely revealing to see how men and women have been split up over the, the uh, decades of my lifetime. How do you see the masculine and the feminine playing out right now? What kind of reflections and maybe even advice would you give around that? Because I... I feel like it's such a, an untapped natural resource, the way that men and women can work together. Yeah, I think the, um, the masculine and feminine is amazingly powerful when together. And like you said, you know, we all have the inner masculine, the inner feminine. And um, unfortunately, I think the masculine, at least for the, from the men's side, has been suppressed. And I think because of the warrior aspect, right, because once the man steps into the lion, steps into the warrior, we will lay down our life for our lady or our family, you know, easily, you know, versus trying to protect ourselves and stuff like that. And I don't know much about the, the feminine from the female side, but from the feminine in, in the man, there is the, the loving part, the nourishing part and, you know, trying to make it good and peaceful and nice. And what I would say is embrace them both, you know, and each of us have both. And, um, of course, you get to choose who you want to be. You know, you don't have to find yourself. You create yourself. So I think digging into what is the masculine, what is the feminine and for yourself is really powerful. But I try to keep it very simple for myself and not get too um, lost in the, the, the words of these things. But it's there. You know, the masculine, the strong, the feminine, the receiving, the, the nourishing is all there. And I think a, a well-balanced human would have both, you know, and know how to dance with your partner or dance amongst the group, you know, as we have in our group, you know, we have men and women. So we have the female sides and the male sides and everybody's trying to, you know, have harmony. So listening to what the needs are from each person, you know, and again, I don't have the ears to say, okay, they're being masculine, they're being feminine, but like I would say masculine is aggressive and go after and feminine is maybe more a little bit passive and, and waiting. Uh, I'm curious what you might think about that too, but um, that's what I would say, you know, embrace them both and they're both needed. You know, this is, I think the yin and the yang or yin and the yang where, you know, all is one and, and also there's polarities and there's opposites. So learning about that for myself, you know, like the emotional side of my manhood and the warrior side and the poet side and the, um, the wild man, like all these things are a part of me. You know, I have a friend and she says, there's this part of me that I'm trying to get rid of. And it's kind of like this wild part. It's like, no, you're, you're whole, you're complete. Embrace that side of you. That is a necessary part of you. And as long as it's empowering and good, but like 
you're you're not divided. You don't have different personalities. You have just different ways of being. But you are an amazing divine creation or a natural creation where these were given to you for your benefit, for your power. And if we can um, accept that as like a good thing, then we'll learn about it rather than try to push it away and say, no, I'm a masculine man. I don't have the feminine in me. But it's like a masculine man, I think, who has a, a soft feminine side for you know, connection, I think is really powerful, you know, and a, and a a female who can also, you know, kind of take leadership is really powerful. So, uh, of course, there is no wrong or right in that aspect, but you know, embracing both sides, um, I think, is very empowering. Mm -hmm. Exactly, that's wholeness. You said that word. That otherwise, we have cut ourselves off, right? And uh, and to the extent that the the woman has not embraced the the masculine, that's how uh, much feminine energy she can use that's that's what actually happened to me by embracing my masculine i i got so much of my feminine energy that was held hostage by that and it's it's the same with the men that i work with that when they you know touch down with their emotions and they they get into the feminine side it makes them more masculine and it it's no longer something that needs to be displayed and put and put out there like oh i'm so you know when you, when you get people really demonstrating uh, some kind of gender persona it's because mm. they lack that mm. it's not because they have too much of that it's because they lack it and they need to keep enacting it because it's not authentic mm. right so uh it, it yeah it's a beautiful thing i I, I love working with this. It, it, I didn't even know it was going to be the subject of my book until I was writing it and seeing how men and women really are on the identical hero's journey. I'd love to send you a copy of my book, by the way. I have a feeling there, yeah. there would be a good connection there. And uh, so, you know, men and women, we're going through the same thing, but we go through it totally different. So, you know, the nurturer for a woman might be showing up at the bedside and giving the chicken soup and, you know, rubbing their their uh, back when when somebody doesn't feel good. Um, a, men's, a man's version of the nurturer is is more of a caretaker. Like, is everybody fed? Does everybody have a roof for their, over the head? Does, yeah. you know, are we are we safe from predators? Are we right? That's it's the same. It's the same nurturer. It's just a it's just a different uh, expression of it. So that was one of my missions to really show men and women to each other. I don't think there's any opposites. I don't think nature actually created opposites. In fact, the word Satan, the, the etymology of the word Satan means opposer. Mm. Right. So it's another level of deception. Yes, there's polarity. That's natural law. Polarity mm. is a given. But I don't see it like this. It's actually mm. like this, you know, movement. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I heard I heard something because we're learning about the law world. My, my buddy says uh, there are no enemies. There's only opportunities. Mm -hmm. I thought All that right. was beautiful. Again, stepping into like, no, we're not fighting them. We're, there's an opportunity for us to transcend or build a better world. And so, again, the mindset is how um, we take power back and how we step into the transformational self is realizing that like one person can make a difference we can make a difference you can make a difference and then imagine when all these kings and queens get together and say yes we're one but now we're, we have some common ground and we want freedom and we want peace and harmony and uh you know peaceful conflict resolution we can do it and stepping into that like yes i can and um you know we're not going to harm anybody in the process 
so yeah, it is amazing to uh, to fully realize what is one one person in one voice can make so much powerful difference. Exactly. And then in my better moments, I realize that the enemy is giving me energy. It's not taking my energy away. It's giving me energy, but I, it's my responsibility to transmute, to take that energy and turn it. Like, so, you know, this is a tiny little example, but for all my streams, I have at least one unliker, some, someone lurking in the background who's not willing to show their face and, and they've got this anonymous unlike, and that's like, you know, holding Beth Martin's back, like, woohoo, good for you. And I've been speaking to that person, like, hey, I see you, I see you're here, uh, telling them, you, thank you for bringing your energy, giving me all of your attention. You are, you are in fact, uh, boosting me up. And, uh, and it looks like they got tired because the last couple of videos I've had no dislikes on and uh, they might be tired of giving me energy. So, so, and I'm good. I got it all. I, I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Energy and attention is really the, um, what we have as humans, you know, this present moment. So the fact that they were giving that to you, that's interesting. So you actually recognize them on the call? Uh, just anonymously because they don't Honestly. have, yeah, they, they, there's no way to for me to identify them. That's why they can do that, you know, in the background if they had to be seen. In fact, somebody did come on my Facebook and give me an angry face today. That's that's That was a little disheartening. I know who they are and, and uh, possibly can speak to that. But, uh, you know, it's it's also the warrior's way to pick the battles and know know what's what's going to be useful. What advice? Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, what advice would you give to maybe the, the reluctant king heroes out there that, that know the truth or know things aren't right, but they haven't had that ability to step into leadership in the way that you have with so much love and so much brightness? What advice would you give them? This is what my mentor asked me. He said, uh, we were talking about life and all this powerful stuff that we can do as humans with language and a purpose and dream and mission and these things. And he said, Dave, imagine that you're 90 years old and you're sitting on your front porch in your rocking chair. It's called the rocking chair moment. And you're sitting ro rocking back and forth and you think about your life and you think about it and you say, yes, I did it in my life. I did it. Whatever it is, is the invitation to explore and find out what is that. And I think people want to live, you know, powerfully and in their own self. And this is the five regrets of dying, I don't have them memorized, but um, there was a nurse who interviewed people on their deathbed, you know, and she documented, and there was five similar causes or, um, yeah, causes of regret, and it was, I wish I would have had the courage to express my love. I wish I had the courage to be myself. I wish I would have played more. I wish I would have um, spent time with my family and friends more. I mean, these are the real things, you know, when the when the lights are going out and the show is about to be over, these are the things that people regret and wish they would have done more of. So coming from that uh, projection into the future, what is it that you're going to be excited about to achieve and fulfill in your life? And then you kind of reverse engineer that. And so what is that going to look like for you? different than other people, but for sure, courage to be yourself, courage to step into your life and not live a life for your parents, not live a life for anything else which you choose to. And other than that is one of the great movies is Braveheart. And in that movie, there's uh, William Wallace and there's Robert the Bruce. And so these characters, these archetypes, as you might see, is there is the reluctant, you know, character in Robert the Bruce. 
And so he finally finds it at the end, but it's because, as I mentioned before, is that he who loses his life gains it, and he who gains his life loses it. So we got to go all in, I think. Doesn't mean you gotta be reckless, but I think moral courage is more respectable than like physical courage. And I'm an, a former athlete, so I know the, the broken bones and all the things which happen when you're doing you know, athletics, but speaking your truth to the world is gotta be one of the scariest things these days because of all the haters that you mentioned and um, all the, the negative feedback that you can get. And I've been getting a lot. I don't know if some of the people you've seen uh, going down the street with the bullhorn. I've also gone into grocery stores and they start to berate me about not having a mask. I pulled the camera and I record the interaction. And unfortunately in Santa Cruz, there's a lot of uh, statists, a lot of brainwashed people who don't understand natural rights. And so they're, you know, giving me, hey, you're putting my grandma at risk by not wearing a mask and just basically repeating all the things they get from the news. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten a lot of attention from that those, these last few months. But so I found a lot of good people and I found a lot of haters. And so like you, when they give me their hate, I'm saying, wow, this is so interesting. And why are they choosing to put negative comments? Why are they choosing to, to downvote, to create accounts, you know, with like my name in it. It's just like, that's so interesting. So because I'm at that stage where it's like, I understand they've been brutalized and traumatized. So I feel really sad for them that this is their, this is how they spend their time. I'm actually trying to express freedom, joy, love, human respect, human dignity. And because they're going through their programming, they see it in another light. They see it in a repetitive regurgitation conversation. And so I'll block these people, right? And uh, basically, like, I don't even reply. I just feel bad for them. So if you're reluctant, that's okay. We're all reluctant, you know? And once I started talking about the school system, um, of course, I was uh, fearful of the whole thing. But, you know, we got to live and, st and uh, stand up for something. And I think that's what Martin Luther King said, you know, despite him being a, a statist, you know, he did make a great difference in his nonviolent action but he said if you're not willing to die for something you're not worthy of life something like that it was something really profound we're like you got to be willing to put your life on the line man and so um i think nietzsche said the same thing you know live dangerously so what are we doing are we going to hide in the corner like a mouse or are we going to go out there in the light and say this is what i believe this is what i think to be true and i might be wrong but it's not about me being being right or wrong. It's about me speaking what I feel is true. Yes. And you know everything is a perception, and everyone has their own opinions. But deep down, there's an inner voice that's saying, "Hey, man, this is not right," or "Hey, man, this is correct. You are on the right path." So just keep feeling that, and you got to have good people around you, ideally, good books around you, good media around you. Like I try not to put anything um, disempowering into my mind. Um, and that's intentional, right? I don't need that in my life. I'm trying to build up my friends and family, trying to build up myself so that comes with good information, good knowledge, good energy, and it's a process. You know, if you plant a watermelon seed, it's not going to sprout immediately, but you plant it and you say, hey, you're a watermelon. You're a watermelon. A year later, it's a little, little sprout. You're a watermelon. You're, and five years later, you get a watermelon out of it. So this is the cultivation process I think we have to do to ourselves and help empowering ourselves and leading ourselves. 
And this really is, I think, the advice for the reluctant person is keep watering your seed of courage and truth and love and compassion. And eventually you can't stop it. Eventually it will come bursting out of you because it's so clear in your mind and it's so right in your mind. And you know, other people are waiting to hear this information. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So beautiful. Uh, I, I do some of the work of that was started by Lester Levinson, who's not with us anymore, but uh, I studied and I passed some of his principles on. And so at the top of his process of becoming free from anything that's not love, right? That was his, that was his technique was to let go of anything in the human experience that wasn't love-based. And he was totally successful. He was losing his life when he was uh, having that genius idea and he got to the other side completely. So he came out knowing that if you want freedom more than you want anything, more than you want people to love you, more than you want to be successful, more than you want money, more than you even want to live in your in your flesh and your bones, wanting freedom is going to be the one. You love luster. That's awesome, Sonny. Yeah, it, it's the one ticket home. And it starts to pull you. Freedom pulls you forward rather than, it's like you said, you can't even stop yourself from expressing authentically because that is in alignment with freedom. We can't be free if we don't see ourselves, and if we don't show ourselves, we can't see ourselves. That's that is the fact. That's the design that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and we enslave ourselves. This is the, this is the final part too. Is that we liberate ourselves? We're self liberators, and we're self enslavers. Perfect. So all this stuff that's coming out from the government, the media, schools, all this stuff. Hey, that's one. That's step one. But it has to enter us. And it has to go through our own filters. So we have a strong filter for self-care, self-love. Then we can't be touched. I mean, this is where um, I think it's Solzhenitsyn said, you know, there's a place inside. Or maybe it's um, Victor. Who is it? The, the, the meaning? Oh, Victor Frankl. Where it's mm -hmm. like there's a, there's a place inside that nobody can touch. And so that's the really empowering place is like, yes, you can do all these things to my body, to my mind, but there's an inner, inner human, an inner spirit that uh, is unbreakable, unstoppable. And we learn to de develop that and, um, you know, we'll just proceed and can carry on wherever it takes us um, boldly. Amen. <laughs> so good. So good, David. I absolutely have loved having you here on this channel today. It's been extremely it's, uh, inspiring for me also for the chat. Thank you to the chat for everybody who's been chiming in. I love having you here. Your presence is really loved and honored. And uh, do go and visit David at his website, David James Rodriguez, sorry, butcher that.com. And uh, if you would like to take him up on any of his deep knowledge around creating opportunities for children to be apprenticed and to learn at home. Then uh, he does have valoracademy.com, valor-academy.com, educationoptionsexpo.org, but I think and homeschoolleader.com, plus the Facebook groups he talked about. But uh, maybe all roads lead to Rome from David James Rodriguez. So thank you so much, everyone, for coming. If you'd like to track me down and... Uh, look a little more into my work, you can visit bethmartins.com. I forgot to put my little ticker up today. Let's see if I can find it right now. There it is. And uh, 
my book, Journey, A Map of Archetypes to Find Lost Purpose in a Sea of Meaninglessness is there for you because it's it's purpose and connection, which are practically the same thing that people need now. If you have connection, you have purpose, and you'll be able to move forward in the face of adversity and find your people because that's what purpose does. It connects you to those that who actually need to hear from you. And also it does attract the enemies because they also need to hear from you. They, 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 that's, that's as close a relationship as a supporter is. It's two sides of the same coin. And sometimes those, uh, you know, attackers turn into supporters and supporters turn into attackers. It can, it can go both ways. But if you have self-responsibility like David talks about, then you're home free all the time. So thank you, David. I totally appreciate you. Hey, thank you, Beth, for your courage and leadership out there and uh, delivering this great content to the world. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you. Total pleasure. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye for now. Bye, everyone, to the chat. Thank you for coming. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. So much goodness. Bye for now. <laughs> love's gonna win love and freedom's gonna win and we're winning yeah, exactly <laughs> Keep going everybody that's yeah. right we'll see you next time amen to that bye for now